0: Action! Welcome to Torn Stubs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcasts at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the
1: greatest film critic you've never heard of.
0: And we're going to the movies.
1: American Psycho is a horror thriller directed by Mary Harron that came out in the year 2000. Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, is a self-obsessed high flyer working as an investment banker in New York. Secretly, he's obsessed with murder. And as his inability to curb his murderous impulses plunge him into even murkier moral territory, he starts to come unstuck. Rob, had you seen this before? Yes, I actually saw this in the cinema, back in the day. I feel like every gay man in the noughties watched this film. (laughs) I don't know why.
0: I don't remember seeing it because I was gay. (laughs) I I actually remember at the time thinking there's a lot of films coming out with American in the title. So we had American Beauty, American Pie, and then this, American Psycho, and they kind of form a weird trilogy of a snapshot of American life. Obviously, American Pie is all about the youth of America at the time of, of, of the millennium. American Beauty is about... What happens if you don't keep your eye on your happiness in the suburbs? And then this is really about what happens if you become completely isolated from not only yourself, but the people around you and the society that you're meant to be trying to fit into or people want you to fit into or you want to fit into yourself and you're failing at it. Mm. So I saw this and then I read the book. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have the book and I've never read it. I've got... Three copies of it at home. Why? you are an American Psycho. (laughs) I've got the copy that I bought straight after seeing the film. It must have been the the day after because it's it's that classic, small, 90s-sized book. And it's got the American Psycho poster on the front, so it's the movie tie-in, which you don't really see too much of nowadays. When they re-release... Yeah, with, with yeah. Like the movie poster. I don't often see that too much these days. Then That's because you don't read books. I do. <laughs> <laughs> just don't read your books. <laughs> you so I then I saw this really cool edition that they brought out. It was a, a white cover, front and back, with some text, obviously. But just in the bottom right-hand corner was this bloody thumbprint. Huh. And I thought, that's genius, because mm, it's cool. as if Patrick Bateman had picked it up himself yeah. after killing someone. Yeah. So I've got two of those, one to read and one to keep pristine, because I hate it when I see a white cover with scuff marks or the corners, like, dented. Yeah. I really like this film. I really, really like this film. And I like the the world that Brett Easton Ellis creates. So have you actually read the book? i read the book, yeah. Right, okay. I read the book back in the day, and then... And did you like it as much? So? Yes, I did. It's a very it's quite inaccessible because it doesn't follow any sort of structure. It's like a stream of consciousness. Mm. And then I went and read some other Brett Easton Ellis books and I really liked them and I really like him. He's got a brilliant podcast. He he is unashamedly opinionated mm-hmm. and he's not afraid to to offer his opinion when the American Psycho musical was in the in the works, he said to the producers, because the producers invited him to the New York opening, and he said, by all means, invite me, but if I don't like it, I'm not going to lie to the press. I will <laughs> say what I think is wrong with it. Okay. But it just happened that he did like it. Ah. And I, think he's been, I I believe he's been authentic when he says he likes it, because mm-hmm. other times he said he hasn't liked things. And he, I don't know if he held off on watching this film for a while, Maybe he took 10 years to see it, but he likes what Mary Harron did. And I can see why. Because the book is very... At times it reads like a list. Because Patrick Bateman's talking about either himself or a character is wearing such and such shirts with such and such shoes and this trousers and this perfume. And you should only wear this perfume at this time of day because mm. it's per, it's perfect. You should never wear it here, this, that and the other. And it can, it can feel like a list. yeah, And it can kind of get bogged down and if you just cut the lists a bit then the book would be shorter and be a bit zippier Mm. this film really condenses down the book into what the core ideas are which is there's this guy and as he says his mask of sanity is about to slip Mm. and we watch as that happens and it's it's really fascinating it's a real fascinating character study
1: yeah, I think it's very, very clever. The title itself, American Psycho, mm-hmm. it kind of, and especially as a film, it very cleverly subverts what Hollywood has turned the inverted commas psycho into. Like yes. psychopath in Hollywood means deranged, bloodthirsty, almost inhuman maniac. Um, and this film, all the marketing, everything about it told you that was kind of what you might get. And then what it's actually about is kind of a mentally unwell person coming unhinged. Yes. And it, re, it reclaims the word psycho in some ways. Back to what, it's its medical Exa- terms. Exactly, yes. yeah. So it's very clever. As a kid, I, so I saw this when it first came out when I was 17. And I was into Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legend, all of the slasher films. You into the films that had claimed the psycho mantra for yeah. themselves. Yeah, I... I'd bought into the Hollywood Psycho. So when this Uh came along, I remember basically feeling very confused on a number of levels. (laughs) Partly confused because I thought that Patrick Bateman was really fucking hot and just kind of, I wanted him to take his clothes off for the entire film. I've never fancied him. Really? He's just perfect, isn't he? But that's really why you don't fancy him because he's just too (laughs) perfect.
0: Yeah, I like odd looking guys. Like I said earlier before we recorded this, that I really fancy Bill Skarsgård. Skash gourd, scash Yeah, um, it's just um, so bizarre looking. I like odd looking guys. Yeah,
1: but I was I was also confused because I was used to kind of that prescriptive kind of storytelling where, you know, the psycho kills someone. He's hunted. He hunts down the victim. They turn the tables and kill him. Like yeah. that's what a, a film about. Slasher. Psycho is slasher. That is yeah. a slasher film. And this is not a slasher film. This is like a really, as you said, like a really kind of interesting, layered, weird unique um, character study Mm -hmm. of this person who is just kind
0: of like just falling apart, essentially. And there's a great motif and and sort of themes throughout this film to do with reflections and masks. Mm. So there's this early scene in a club where Patrick Bateman says to the bar lady, you're a fucking ugly bitch. I want to kill you. And I want to play around with your blood. And the bulk of that statement, we are looking at him in a mirror. Yeah. In his flat the next day when he's saying, I'm Patrick Bateman and I live blah, blah, blah in the blah, blah, blah. When he's taking a piss, he's reflected in the glass of a framed poster from Les Mis. Yeah. Later on in a restaurant, his distorted, um, not opaque face is reflected in the, the front of this metallic menu. Yeah, this ridiculous menu. Um, he even, at one point, he's put on a beauty mask and he's peeling it off and that's when he says, I fear my mask of sanity is about to slip.
1: Yeah.
0: Throughout the film, his face is half in shadow, half in light and he even takes on the names of other characters and other identities, which is the ultimate mask. Mm. Mm. So we never really fully get to grips of who this guy is is who is he narrating to is he having a conversation with himself or is he recounting this to someone else I don't know I think he I think he is talking
1: uh, I don't know is he is he talking as if he is somebody like he's talking as if he's talking to GQ magazine or like he thinks that he's so fucking interesting and perfect and he's got life down to a fine art yeah that he's actually thinks in his head he's talking to GQ magazine because (laughs) they have to know his secret that's how it kind of. That's how it came across to me. So you feel it's like a PR interview. Yeah, kind of. Like, who did you think he's talking? Like, how is the book given to us?
0: The book is written in the bulk of it, ninety-five percent, is written in first-person narrative. So, you know, I am Patrick Bateman. I live yeah. on the twenty-second floor or whatever. And then at one point, it flips the third person where he's referring to himself as Patrick Bateman. Mm. So that. Brings up that that obviously works very well in the book because you can't, you would never have Patrick Bateman in the film, played by Christian Bale, suddenly turn around and be like start referring to himself in the third person. But they take that idea that that might not even be Patrick Bateman, Mm. he might be, you know, taking on that identity. They have that play really well in the film in the sense that there's confusion at times over who he actually is. It's very clever. Was he at dinner with who he said he was at dinner or was he at a party? Yeah. Even the lawyer at the end
1: refers to him as Davis. And before that, he's some... uh, Jared Leto thinks he's Mike or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It starts off at the beginning in his narration when he says, uh, there is no real me and I simply am not there. And he's like, he could be anybody and that kind of makes him a nobody. But
0: he... But it makes him everybody oh, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So he's got this weird kind of, like, you know, what is he? He's, he's every man, but no man. He's Yeah. Yeah. It's... But he's
0: not every man in the, in the traditional movie sense, because, you know, Tom Cruise is the every man. He's always called John. <laughs> yeah. He is... <sighs> I don't know who he is. Yeah, because that's because he doesn't know who, we, he, doesn't know who he, is. Well, he doesn't know who he is. At the end of the film, I still don't know who Patrick Bateman is. Whoever Patrick Bateman is.
1: Yeah, well, it's that maybe that's what he's narrating. He's almost doing an affirmation. He's he's repeating what he does to be Patrick Bateman. So he's going over and so over. He's over convincing and over. himself. Yeah, it's it's an affirmation. Like when you whisper, "I am great. I am great." Like what he's the doing that. Back. Yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think he did all the things he said he was doing?
1: Uh, no, I don't think he did. No, I think it was all in his in his imagination. And like he drew, he drew all those pictures of stuff and he was like writing stuff in his diary and I think that he is fantasizing and like he, you see him taking the medication like an antipsychotic or something. Mm-hmm. Well, you never actually see what the medication is, do you? It's some sort of medicine. Do you... So this is why I said that every gay man saw it. Do you think He's actually a homosexual.
0: I don't know. Because there's, there's only that scene with Lewis, Carruthers, when Lewis kisses his hand. Yeah. And then says, like, call me or whatever.
1: Yeah, but is, don't you find it? it's just so weird how him and his friends go out to gay clubs. They're always Are in, they in gay clubs? They're always in the same gay club. Yeah, it's like a burlesque cabaret gay club. All the guys on the dance floor
0: are quite clearly gay. I've never picked up on that, that like being a gay club. Yeah, it's a gay club. I just thought it was a hardcore New York, like, arty scene. Because there's a scene in the book where one of his group of friends has some arty friends over for dinner. Mm. So I've always connected it to that. I've never, I've never thought it was a gay club. I'm going to have to watch that again. So you think he, you think he is gay? Well, he's definitely not
1: fully straight. Because of the club? because of that and also he's he's quite homophobic like he basically says oh you're like he's obviously gay or something at one point about somebody Mm. and it's almost like he's trying too hard to be a straight guy and yet he ends up basically kind of abusing
0: all the women that he sleeps with yes how do you feel about the treatment and the portrayal of women in this film
1: It's funny because I feel better about it knowing that this was directed by Mary Harron, who is a woman. Yeah. I feel...
0: She did Betty Page, she did I Shot Andy Warhol, and she's about to do a Dali biopic with Ezra Miller.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, because I feel like we've missed her. She just hasn't really... Done anything for she so has long, long
0: periods in between films. And is it because like five years or so? Yeah. In like between each film. She
1: struggled to make this one. She was she, on it, they she, tried to get rid of her, they did get rid of her. Well
0: she she stepped away when they said Leonardo DiCaprio has to play Patrick Bateman, and she said he's too poetic. He's a great actor, but he's not right for this role. And he wouldn't have been too right. He wouldn't he wouldn't have been right. And he was too young. He'd just come yeah. off. I mean he went to do the beach, so it's that area. Yeah. He'd just come off Romeo and Juliet. He was a baby. Yeah.
1: Um, but the, the the violence towards women—I mean, it, it's not glamorized. It's really quite upsetting. And the interesting thing is that a lot of the violence is off-screen. Um, you don't it's hinted at that. You don't really see anything. The worst thing you see is him going down on a woman, and then the blood—the sh- blood coming through the. But also sheets. the chainsaw. Oh, that is yeah, scene. I mean, the, <laughs> the But chainsaw.
0: but at times it is very subtle. Like he just walks next to a woman in the street and begins crossing the road with her Mm. and then they they walk off the camera holds back and they walk off into you know the distance and then the next thing he's playing with a lock of hair in the office and he puts it into his pocket so no one sees and the suggestion Mm. is he's killed her yeah but it
1: yeah it's different that's why this isn't a slasher film it doesn't No, it doesn't kind of it's deeper than joy in the violence yeah it It shows it as something that he does and we don't really get to see much of it. But they are,
0: the women, they are portrayed as either whores, Mm. literal whores who are paid for sex and they are stripped of their clothes and they're stripped of their dignity. They're even stripped of their name. Yeah. Your name is now, what is it? Your name is now Sabrina or something. Yeah, 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 Only refer to yourself as Sabrina. I want you to wash your vagina. yeah. Or they are sort of prescription drug adult nuisances who can't make up their minds about which man they want. Hmm. There's no positive women. Even the PA is weak and feeble and hmm. clearly in love with him and you know doesn't seem to doesn't seem to recognise that maybe there's something wrong with her boss, the way that he acts.
1: Yeah. Well, because she's used to that really chauvinistic kind of world. Like, they work in the yeah. street, right? Like, like, don't wear their outfit.
0: Only wear high heels.
1: Yeah, she's she's used to that. And she's probably been told that, you know, this is where the
0: men rule. <laughs> do you think he saves Jean, his PA, he doesn't kill her because the phone rang? Or do you think he was never going to kill her? Even if it takes place in, the, in his head?
1: I don't know. Why does... Doesn't she say something that is the thing that stops him? Like, the phone does ring, but doesn't she say something else that kind of maybe weakens his defences or something like that? I think he
0: doesn't kill her, Mm. either in real life or in his head, because he knows her personally, He's mm. seen her in a different environment. She's not just a piece of meat. She's not just a horse. She has a name and he allows her to keep her real name. And he entertains her reasonably lovingly. Like he, he infuses her with some confidence. He gives her some sorbet. Who has sorbet before you go out for dinner? <laughs> Especially in the freezer next to the, the head. <laughs> I know, how unhygienic. Put the head in a different freezer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like he sees her as a human. So yeah. maybe she's been able to cut through his psychosis. It's interesting that you don't see, again,
1: any of the characters that he supposedly kills. Like you, yeah. you don't see Jared Leto again.
0: But they're, they're often given an alibi, like they're away in London. I yeah. just saw him. I had dinner with him two Twice. days ago.
1: Yeah. It's very clever, though, because then it, you really don't know if they're alive or dead. So That ambiguity is, is kind of meticulously created in the film. Yeah. It's very, very clever. Who is Reese Witherspoon? Because she, she calls him Patrick Bateman, but is that only because he calls himself Patrick Bateman? When somebody refers to him, when Geraldita refers to him as Michael or whatever, she's like... Marcus. Marcus. Why Why? Why is Patrick, why is he calling you Marcus? Yeah. Like has he Has he woven this elaborate lie for Reese Witherspoon's character
0: where she thinks he's Patrick Bateman, but he actually isn't? Potentially, but there's another. There's a lovely bit when he's got the headphones on and she's babbling on about. I think we should get married, and yeah. he sort of goes. What? And she wants Annie Leibowitz as yeah. the photographer. <laughs> why not me? But he sort of pulls the headphones off. He's like, "What?" And she says something and he goes, "I just want to fit in." Mm. He just wants to be like every other person. That's why that scene with the business cards is brilliant mm. because if someone else is beating him at the business card game, he can't fit in. Yeah. He's, it's a status thing. That's the
1: most homoerotic part of the film is when they're really? get, getting their cards out and he's talking about the tasteful thickness of the card. <laughs> and it's so homoerotic. They should have just get their cocks out. Does the
0: film get away with the portrayal of women Not necessarily Patrick. Yes, you could argue Patrick gets off scot-free, whether he did it or not, or whoever Mm. this guy is. He did it in his head, or if he's done it for real, then he's got away with it. He's got away with his behaviour, or he's got away with his thoughts. But does the film ever give women a a redemption? No. But, well,
1: because it's all through his eyes, so anything that happens... The film is only ever serving him, so anything that happens with the women... Is always going to be through this kind of Patrick Bateman filter. Mm. So we, I mean, we don't even know if his reality is reality. Yeah. So these women aren't necessarily the way that they've been portrayed in the film anyway. It's all so thorny and, and like almost
0: impenetrable. Well, so, it's unreliable. Right. He's yeah. an unreliable narrator. Yeah, yeah. A, we don't know who he's narrating to. We don't know why he's narrating. And yeah. we don't know who he is. Yeah. So everything is thrown into question. We're given a lot of questions and we're not given a single answer. And ordinarily, that would be really unfulfilling. Mm. But it works here. And I I can't work out why it works, but it just
1: works, doesn't it? Well, it because it becomes less of a narrative story and it becomes a fable it becomes representative of something else it stops being about a guy killing women and it becomes more about who the fuck is this guy what does this tell us about society and masculinity and identity and it stops that's why it's it kind of transcends narrative yeah it stops being anything that you want to really i don't know do you want to understand it that maybe you can't understand. It's all so ephemeral and and internal. Yeah. That. Yeah. It. That's why it works, I think, because it transcends that Hollywood restriction.
0: What do you make of the monologue scenes? Huey Lewis in the news. Phil yeah. Collins Whitney Houston.
1: Brilliant. Love them. Just really darkly hilarious and just odd. Like like, see, he's telling someone else that. He's showing off. Yeah. He's, he's like, look at, look at how much I know about my taste in music, which is obviously the best music. <laughs> um, yeah, like he's, he's got these opinions and he's not afraid to share them. I loved it.
0: In the book, they're standalone chapters. He's, oh, not, really? he's not recalling them to anyone. Yeah. He's just, he's like showing off to the reader yeah. or whoever the book is being narrated to. Yeah. So I think it's genius that they, they actually bring it in as part of the narrative yeah. within this film. It's great.
1: I think the only bit that um, that Brett Easton Ellis didn't like was when uh, Christian Bale does his like moonwalk when he's about to kill Jared Leto.
0: Oh, he's, he's been really campy and he's yeah. like,
1: shuffling along. Yeah. Christian Bale apparently was warned not to do this film. Like He was on the cusp of potentially becoming like a big deal.
0: What, was he, um, what did he do before this? Like Velvet Goldmine and then before that a film called Metro if I remember. Yeah, and then yeah. With Anna Friel. Before that he had disappeared and it's Empire of the Sun. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like he, he wasn't really, it was in Little Women um, oh. but he wasn't, he wasn't known in America basically. He wasn't like a big deal in America.
0: No, no. This was like his, his big, this was his big, big thing. Break. And, and like, like four years later, three and a half years later he's on the set making Batman because that came out five years after this. But the
1: seeds of Batman are sown in this film, quite clearly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because Batman
0: is a a dual character in one. He's either Batman or Bruce Wayne and the lines can be very blurred.
1: Yeah. But it's just... He got his teeth fixed. He turned himself... Because he was this scrawny, skinny British guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't wasn't big and beefy like this in Velvet Goldmine. He wasn't fat or out of shape he was just a regular regular yeah Yeah. and
1: with this he was like training three hours a day i would imagine longer he had an on set trainer as well and well it's it's
0: it's important it would be completely inappropriate to just put anyone there and say hey just imagine he's got a big body Mm -hmm. patrick bateman would have the body of a god because he wants to fit in yeah I've got the body of a god. You haven't, Lewis Carruthers. Yeah. could possibly go out with you. But Christian Bale, he finds a balance between this the cool, serene exterior and the craziness that is living within his head.
1: That, it's an impossible role. It's, it's like, for all intents and purposes, it shouldn't be doable. No. Like, if you're... He talks about not having any expression on his face. And... That would be so
0: boring if somebody was doing it for real. But, but he does have an expression. That yeah. scene with the business cards, you can just see the seething anger in his eyes, but yeah. his face is like sweaty. Yeah, He looks ill, like he's, having, <laughs> like he's suffering from food poisoning, but he's trying to hide it. Yeah, it's such a great performance. Is mm. it his best performance? Has he, has he ever beaten it?
1: um well because after this this is when he kind of goes into his yo-yo physical transformation thing yes where he did the machinist right, the, the machinist and then he did batman and then he did um american thingy with
0: david russell is that what it's called with jennifer american hustle
1: american hustle yeah oh yeah of course and the big short the big short which, is, which oh, yeah. looks most like him when he's off
0: camera yeah yeah
1: um yeah i don't know is it his best I think maybe it is. It's really fucking good. It's just so... The intention is just there. And he he. it feels so thought through and mm. kind of... It's just one of those perfect performances, I think. Like, was he... He was not Oscar-nominated for this, was he? I don't think so. I feel so. like this film should have been... Yeah, no, it wasn't nominated for anything in the Oscars. So it's like, uh, seriously? Because this is really interesting.
0: When he finally cracks and starts confessing everything to his lawyer over the phone. Yeah. It's, you just get the feeling that he's been bottling this shit up for eons and it just all comes out in one blurb, like, and I wrote down, the insanity flows like blood rushing out of the lift in The Shining. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it does. Because he's just suddenly, he thinks he's done, doesn't he? He thinks that he can't get away with it anymore. Yeah. But then you, but then mask
0: of sanity has completely slipped off and he's revealed himself. It's
1: in the gutter. He, um, but it's not, it's not necessarily because he has killed anybody. It's because he's having a mental breakdown. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and that's what that is. And it's like painfully painful to watch. He actually looks, that's the first time he looks ugly. Yeah. He looks just sweaty. His
0: hair's all over the place. His clothes are all over the place. he's an
1: absolute mess. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. Did you um, <laughs> Did you notice the weird
0: Trump jokes? There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of Trump jokes in the book. Oh really? Like, oh is that is that Donald Trump? Is that Ivana Trump? <laughs> it's so good. Because Trump in in 80s America, 90s America, he was the guy that everyone wanted to be. He yeah. was the king of New York. Yeah. He was the real estate guy who supposedly came from nothing. You know, Bill Marroy says, um Donald Trump came from nothing. He just had $15 million of his dad's money and he built a dream. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now that Trump is sitting at the top of the world in the White House, this film takes on a mm. an extra layer. It really does.
1: Because it's like, he's probably still idealizing Trump. If Bateman yeah. is still around today or whatever his name really is, he's going, Quah, that Trump, he's really
0: he's really made it. It would validate his idolation of Donald Trump by saying, well, if he's president, I could be president. Why am I not president? Yeah. Everything I've done is correct. Yeah. Those murders, all the fantasies, I'm completely validated. Mm. Was he fixed at the end? Was he cured? God, no.
1: He needs to go to therapy. He's not fixed. He needs to go and talk it all out properly. <laughs> Bloody hell. When I'm not he sits even close.
0: down, <laughs> you know, when he has that conversation with the lawyer and the lawyer calls him Davis and, like, what are yeah. you talking about? Like, I was with such and such in London having dinner. Yeah. He sits down back at the table with his friends and behind him on the door it just says, This is not an exit.
1: Yes. That's from the book, isn't it? That's the final I line. I can't remember. That's the final line
0: of the book. I can remember the, the, the opening of the book because it borrows from Dante's Inferno, Inferno. where hmm. it says, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Mm hmm. Which is a warning to us. Yeah. Because there is no hope in this book. There's no hope in this story. But for me, there is no resolution. He isn't fixed or cured. There is no exit for him. There is no exit for us. And the voiceover says, I gain no deeper knowledge of myself. No new knowledge can be extracted from my telling. My confession has meant nothing. Yeah. Which ties into what he says. Like there is no Patrick Bateman. There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman. Mm-hmm. We learn nothing new. And he... It's one of those rare instances in a film where a character is the same at the beginning and at the end. It doesn't mm. change. And it works. Mm. Usually, I want to see some sort of development. He does develop, but just now... How? Well, he has a
1: mental breakdown.
0: Does he have a mental breakdown, though? Yeah, on the phone. Or, <laughs> but, but is that the first time that's happened? Has right, he confessed yeah. to someone else? Has he shouted at the the little Chinese lady in the lingerie? I did all this. But she doesn't understand it, but he just gets it off his chest and walks away and carries mm. on. Does he yeah. bitch at another tramp? Yeah, that's
1: true. He's stuck in, he's kind of stuck in a purgatory of his own making. Like Dante.
0: Yeah. Dante was stuck in, you know, the seven, the seven levels of hell. There is no exit. Abandon all hope ye who enter mm. here.
1: I really wanted to watch the sequel with Mila Kunis before we recorded this because I know it's going to take it as kind of... Literal. Literally. Yeah. Like I she think was it's... once
0: a student of Patrick Bateman oh, or something God. like that. I think it's, to American Psycho, what Book of Shadows was to The Blair Witch. Yes, that makes sense. It just reverts it back to being a piece of IP that they can exploit. Yeah. I've never seen it and I've never wanted to. no. It wasn't written by Brett Easton Ellis. I'm not interested. Yeah. So the thing that I love about Mary Harron with
1: this film is that she she tells us right from the beginning what this world is. It's amazing. The opening credits are of a, a dinner table. Yes. And these exquisite um, artworks of
0: food. Yeah. Um, hot. H- Hope Cuisine? Hope Cuisine? Haute Cuisine. Hort cuisine, Hort cuisine yeah. yeah. And it's like... With the little red drops... The red drops think, of blood. You think of blood. Yeah. But it's not. It's like, cr- uh, like cranberry sauce or yeah. something. It's I had forgotten so... about that. Me too. Until I'd watched it this time round. It's so clever. Because that just like, sums it up.
1: It tells you luxury. It tells you perfectionism. It tells you decadence. It tells you violence. It tells you everything. And then... Do you remember Dexter, the TV show? Did you ever see it? Uh... I think I've seen half the pilot. It was never okay. my thing. Well, the opening credits of Dexter basically steal that oh, opening really? credit sequence wholesale, oh. and it's kind of like him pulping blood oranges and all the violence, but in food. And Mary Harron, come and make more films! For goodness' <laughs> sake. Well, can you imagine what this Dali film's going to look yeah, like? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. It's going to be. Has she got the rights to, the, to all the art and stuff. She must have. I would imagine so. Because there was that awful Robert Pattinson film that was Dali, where he played Dali. And they had no... I don't know if they had the rights to it, but it was not a good film.
0: Something Ashes.
1: It could be just
0: as cool as Frida.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true, but... But Mary Harron directing it. Yeah. And
0: focused. She should be doing more. And
1: Ezra Ezra Miller is a fantastic actor who's just kind of... Well, got sucked down the DC rabbit hole. And now... Then he got sucked into the Fantastic Beast rabbit hole as well. I've never
0: seen it. But... Have you seen it? Huh? Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, Okay.
1: fine. Okay. Um, but when you talk about Kevin, it, he is so great. That's kind of his American Psycho.
0: Yeah. So I wonder if that's why she chose him, because... But he's very... And it's weird, because he is poetic. He's mm. very poetic. His band, he's got a metal band, mm. but it's very art metal. Yeah. So he wouldn't have been good for Patrick Bateman, mm. but for someone like Dali, he's Brilliant. perfect. Maybe that's going to be his...
1: Tipping point like this was Christian Bale's tipping point. I don't know. I hope so. Oh, I hope so. Oh. That was American Psycho,
0: directed by Mary Harron.
1: What did you think about American Psycho? We're on Twitter at Torn Pod. Let us know what you think and chuck us your recommendations.
0: And if you like what we do, then subscribe so you never miss another episode. And if you like film, culture, TV, and theatre, head to Trash, which is at MoveToTrash.co.uk. We're off to return some videotapes. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut!